You're listening to Hearts One Stone from Tori Harris Gray's album, Sweet the Lord. This is one of my favorites. Hey, this is Catherine Laguna, and thanks for listening to Faith Fit Radio. Tori Harris is our guest for this week's special presentation. She's a worship leader, author, speaker, and as you could already hear her voice, a talented singer. Tori, thanks for being on the show. Hey, thanks, Catherine. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy that I'm getting to talk to you because you have an extraordinary life and you do so many great things for the Catholic faith. Now, during this episode, I'll mention a key word for your chance to win Tori's book and CD. So just tune in for that key word. So let's just get right into it. You live in Dallas, Texas, where I like to call it your headquarters of where your ministry is at. Yes, (laughs) ma'am. But you didn't necessarily grow up there. So tell us about your family life. Where did your Catholic roots begin? Oh, thanks, Catherine. Um, So I grew up in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. It's the capital of Louisiana. Uh, just a block away from the St. Joseph Convent. So I went to school, the Sacred Heart of Jesus School with the Sisters of St. Joseph, and then high school, the Sisters of St. Joseph. So um, there was kind of no escaping my Catholic identity as a kid. You know, we were indoctrinated from our infancy. Um, my parents like to tell a story when my sister was in kindergarten. Um, she invited our parish priest to come to the house to, d- to bless her birthday cake. Wow, <laughs> very cool. I know. So maybe my little sister's a little more Catholic than I am. Um, I never, I never, it never occurred to me. It's like, oh, we could invite Father Smith over to bless our cake. <laughs> yeah, that's actually, um, I don't know. I feel like it's an honor. Not everybody gets to do that. That's pretty cool. Well, and we came from a big church, so I don't know how he had time. Oh, wow. I mean, maybe mom told him it was like a really good chocolate cake. And she <laughs> was really craving it. She had the um, connections. <laughs> I mean, God, I mean, especially today for a priest to like take time out of his, you know, Saturday morning to go bless a cake yes. for a six-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, what, what was it like going to school? And then there's, you know, the sisters, the nuns that are there because, I mean, I went to public school my whole life, so I didn't get to experience that cool part of the Catholic faith. You know, I don't think you get to, I didn't appreciate it because to me it was just normal. Mm. Uh like, I never knew anything different. So it really wasn't until I got to college and I went to a Baptist school that I actually even met people that weren't Catholics for the first time in my life. I think, you know, growing up, I might have met a Baptist or a Presbyterian or a Pentecostal. But in my head, I'm like, oh, they're just Baptist Catholics, as if they, like, went to another church that wasn't my church. Um, yeah, so, like, I mean, growing up with the nuns, um, I mean, it, it, was, it was awesome. It's cool. I mean, especially now. But I don't think we I appreciated it because we just never saw anything different. It, mm-hmm. it was just our normal. Yeah, exactly. It kind of so, makes me terrified of public school today, <laughs> to be honest. Like, I, know, I, I know. If I didn't go through public school, I would always think about, you know, the fear of going there. You know, you always see the things in the movies. You can't really believe mm-hmm. it. But I completely understand. It is so true. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm Maybe we can talk later about public school because I just had my first <laughs> child. And my husband and I, like, we have no idea what we're going to do to educate him because <laughs> – I don't know. We're terrified. <laughs> I know. That is a t- tough decision, too. I completely understand. <laughs> yeah. So then what point of your life did music become sort of part of who you are as a Catholic and as an artist? I think like music is, I think music's special in that it's a part of everybody's heart and life and worship uh, in the church. For me, I was always a big fan of music, but it wasn't until I graduated from college that I was brave enough and poor enough to be able to just <laughs> jump and do it full time. You know, like I, I didn't have anything to lose. Yes. Um, so 
I, I would say probably like in my early 20s was when I, I took the jump and a leap and I started doing it full time. And it's just been so rewarding and fulfilling ever since. That's excellent. I mean, you don't really hear a lot of people trying to take a chance on something so late in the game. And I don't find that as a bad thing at all. I think That's it's a late very... Late in the game? Yeah. Early 20s? Like, I know. I was, I was a fresh, young spring chicken. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to tell me something like, oh, I started in kindergarten and, you know, I knew that this was my path in life. And I'm like, what? This is exciting. No. Yeah, you made it such a, you know, a great career. And I mean, come on, I'm, I was just listening, you know, I'm listening to your album now. And in the beginning of the podcast, we heard Hearts One Stone. And, but I was seeing that it debuted your album on number two and on iTunes and Christian gospel charts. I mean, that's pretty incredible. It is, it is pretty incredible. Um, much more incredible than my kindergarten self who wanted to star on Barney. So, <laughs> I mean, we've, we've made lots of progress in terms of my goals and dreams in life. Um, yeah, the, so much of this, though, it's just been like a lot of hard work, but even more just God's providence and, and blessing. I mean, if you were to just kind of look at the diary of how everything unfolded once I graduated from school and started doing this, I mean, it's miraculous wonder of the Lord after miraculous wonder of the Lord. Like, I don't think that I could, like, repeat it if I wanted to or, or even— or even help someone else do the exact same thing because it was so much of it was God just acting very personally and very intimately in my own life. True. So do you think music in general opens up a new way or maybe even an easier way in how we can express ourselves in our faith? Uh, well, that's a really good question. Yeah, of course. <laughs> There's just something amazing about music that allows, I, I think, everyone to, to okay, I'll put it this way. Um, have you ever walked into a room and all of a sudden there's music playing on the background? You're not paying attention to it, but you notice that you're like swaying to the beat of the rhythm. Yes. Or yeah, right. So like unconsciously, our bodies respond to music. Um, they've done these. Uh, Harvard did this really cool study where uh, they would have people listen to different kinds of music, and it actually had this physical effect on their blood pressure and their serotonin levels, and um, which are like the happy hormones. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so, so I think when the, the reality is our biology responds to music. And so when you, uh, when we sing as, as part of worship, I think we're uniting our body, our mind and our spirit together. Like, so it's like a triune worship and and that can be much, much more powerful because we're engaging so many more parts of ourselves into that experience. Oh, that's such a great way of putting it because I, I know for for musicians too, um, when I learned how to play the clarinet and we would follow the beats of, you know, how to do tempo and rhythm, mm-hmm. you would always like tap your foot to stay in rhythm. And yeah. even now, and this is like decades later, I'm still kind of doing that depending on like the songs that are on and I'm like following the tempo. It's pretty hilarious. With your little foot? Yeah, with my tapping of the foot. To. Yeah. <laughs> So then uh, for all of you listening, there will be more of Tori's music after this episode. And Tori, I wanted to tell you my favorite lyric from Hearts One Stone. And it's, um, roll the heavy stone away, shape anew with earth and clay. I don't know. It just really touched me as it impacted me. And you can tell me if I'm totally off base or not, because I think the songs mean a certain way for the artist, too. 
Yeah. But um, I think that we can we all kind of go through and we say that we, we face different challenges in life at times and we are left with a heaviness weighing down on us. But yeah. um, the important part, I think, is that we can, with God's help, sort of roll the heavy stone away. And he's always there to give us second chances and even third chances, you know? So how does your faith help you roll that heavy stone away every time you are faced with a challenge? That's really a great question. So this season of my life right now has been at surrender. I would say, you know, two or three years ago, um, I would, there'd be a stone in my life and I would do all of the things possible to move the stone away. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever the challenge was, like I would work harder, I would pray harder, I would study harder, anything, you know, to, to, to be stronger, to move the stone. And then the Lord started putting stones in my life that were too big for me to overcome. Mm-hmm. It was like he was intentionally putting a stone that was like impossible. Like it didn't matter how much I prayed or how hard I worked or like <laughs> how much I studied. Like I could not roll that stone away. And the season that I'm in right now is one of surrender where it's where I, I, have to acknowledge like Lord like there's this thing in my life there's this illness or there's this trial there's this obstacle and and it's too big for me and and so Lord like I'm going to surrender this stone to you it's it's your stone and I'm I'm gonna praise you for giving me this stone and (laughs) and it's like but it's up to you God to move it and I hope you move it and I and I really would encourage you to move it Lord like if we can encourage the Lord to do things for us but like um it's surrender. And what's amazing is uh, in this season, what, what God's kind of been, been showing me, and that's part of like shape a new, shape our hearts anew with earth and clay. He's he's reshaping me to, to rather than being this, I used to be like this really like aggressive, faithful prayer person. I was like, this is what I want, Lord, and I want it right now, and this is how you have to do it. Um, to now becoming a little bit more, a little bit more docile. And it's like, all right, Lord, there's this, there's this mountain in my life. And, and, and you can make the mountains move. And so, Lord, I give you this mountain, and I'm going to ask you to move it. And then he does. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> it's so simple, and it's so easy how, how it happens. And so, um, yeah, surrender has just been the, the key word, the, the headline of, of this season of my life right now. So for those of you that were waiting to hear the key word to in Tori's book and CD, the word is surrender. I love that. That's such a great description. And I feel like you and I have a little bit more in common now because I was a harsh or a forceful prayer person as well. Oh, <laughs> I w- really? It's like, I want things you when I want them. And yes. <laughs> like, I will be, I will be, there's the story of the widow, right? The mm-hmm. parable of the widow who like kept approaching the man for justice, right? The, or is, right, is the widow in the Bible? Like, but she, she keeps approaching the governor for justice yeah. and then he won't hear her. He won't mm-hmm. hear her. He won't hear her. And finally he gets so tired of her coming that he's like, all right, fine, whatever. Like I will bestow justice for you. And, and my relationship with God oftentimes is exactly like that. I'm like, Lord, this is what I want. And the Lord's like, quiet. I'm like, Lord, I don't know if you heard me. <laughs> this is what I want. <laughs> quiet. And, and I'm like, okay, maybe if I like knock long enough and I knock loud enough, eventually he will just get tired of my persistent prayer and he will answer me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love that. Okay. So then I wanted to move over to Holy Spirit 101 and you write music and you're also an author and that is what Holy Spirit 101 is, is your mm-hmm. book. And um, I think the theme of your book is rather different than ones that I've, you know, been reading in this year and last year because you created a way to get parishes involved. So tell us how your book is part of the Arise Ministry. Yeah. Okay. Great. Um, so when I was touring as a musician, 
um, something incredible started to happen that I very, at the beginning, like I, I didn't even believe it was just so outrageous, but my band and I, when we would play our concerts, we would often pray with people after a show. So like around like the merch table or we all go to dinner and, and we would pray with people and we began to see God do these amazing things. Like okay, he was healing broken ankles and spines and cancer was disappearing. I mean, it was just like crazy, mm-hmm. crazy stuff. And, um, and I didn't grow up, remember, I grew up with the Sisters of St. Joseph. So we were like, mm-hmm. by the book, like Orthodox, like old school <laughs> Catholic, right? So um, this wasn't something that I was really familiar with. And I started studying it. And, and I, I came across, you know, groups like Catholic Charismatic Renewal and Pentecostalism. And, and, and I really was trying to wrestle with, like, what does the Catholic Church have to say about these incredible movements? of the Holy Spirit. Like what does the church have to say? And then and what's the what's the appropriate response for a faithful Catholic? Like how how ought a really devout faithful Catholic, how do we respond to this? Like can we can we pray for healing? Is that allowed? If it is allowed, how do we do it? And so all of that research um kind of came together, assimilated into this book called Holy Spirit One O One. Um it's actually uh it's a curriculum meaning um, it's for, like, Bible studies and prayer groups to be able to work through over five or six weeks. Um, or we, like, do a weekend retreat at our church. Um, and, and what it is is it, it goes through those miraculous charisms that St. Paul mentions in Second Corinthians. Um, we call them the Pauline gifts of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, like, prophecy, healing, knowledge, tongues, discernment of spirits. And it talks about, like, what does the Catholic Church have to say about this gift? Uh, how do you yield to this gift? Like, how do you operate in it? How do you act in it? What are the safeguards around it? And, um, yeah, and so uh, we gave it to our local bishop in Dallas. He gave it an imprimatur. The canon lawyer gave it a Neil Obstat. So it's, like, the only curriculum right now in the country that actually has a, a bishop's approval, um, of, like, an imprimatur on, on the teaching on how to operate in the gifts. And so incredible. Uh, I'm just kind of like, it's really neat. But, like, so my music career has kind of morphed into this. Um, it went from, like, music to now it's teaching people how to pray and how to pray for miracles. And, like, my husband and I were having, like, a total blast. It's, it's so much fun. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, but that's, but that's what, so Arise Ministry, uh, you asked again, is it, that's, like, the umbrella organization that we work under. So we're in the Diocese of Dallas at a local parish and then a ministry at the parish for like Holy Spirit stuff is called Arise Ministry and Holy Spirit 101 was a book published under the offices of that ministry. Oh wow. And so then you mentioned about the official declaration approving your teaching. Can you tell us yeah. a little bit about that cuz I've never even heard of it. I find it very interesting. Yeah, okay, cool. So I didn't know about this either until, you know, I got to college. And I started, like, researching books on the Catholic faith, and there are lots of authors, there's lots of books out there written by people claiming to be Catholic. Not every bit of the material that they're writing about is necessarily in line with the teachings of the Church. So Mm -hmm. a protective measure that the Church has is this process where they grant anil abstat, which means, um, and anil abstat means, like, without error. The, the, the text you're written, if it has anil abstat, it means that nothing in the text uh, is contrary to the beliefs and traditions of the Catholic faith. And then a bishop can give it a seal of approval called an imprimatur, which is Latin for let this be printed. So he's basically saying, like, this book is good, and I like it, and I want it to be printed, and I want it to be shared. And so what what the church does is it's it's a way for the Catholic Church to kind of um, I don't want to say censor Mm -hmm. books that are written because they're not they're not actively censoring it. It's more like they're they're saying they're declaring this text 
if a text has a neil opt-out and a promoter, it means that any Catholic around the country, around the world, can read this material, that it's safe, that everything in it is approved by the church, wow. um, and that they can share it with confidence. Wow, that's really cool. I feel like that's like a future goal then, <laughs> to have <laughs> one like that. That's so accomplishing. That's amazing. Mm. So then, Go for it. Yeah. You can totally do it. <laughs> So your book, Holy Spirit 101, I feel like it helps motivate people to tap into their gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so my question to you, Tori, is that what exactly about the Holy Spirit has captured your attention to write this helpful guide? I mean, I don't think that's something that a 20-something-year-old would automatically say, yes, this is what I'm going to write about, the Holy Spirit, although I find it very cool. <laughs> yeah, well, the reason I started writing the book was because I was just so frustrated trying to find information on on the Holy Spirit and how to operate in the gifts. Like, if you're a Catholic and you want to learn about the charisms, you jump from prayer group to prayer group to prayer group, and everybody's different, and everything that they're teaching is different. And um, some prayer groups are teaching things that are Pentecostal and not Catholic, and other groups mm. are, you know, teaching heresy, not, not necessarily intentionally, you know, but yeah. it, it was just so frustrating to try to find, like, good content approved by the church. And and then, like, I, I had to do the research by myself because there was no place that I could go to get the information. There wasn't, like, a school or a, a university program, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, I think it was, the book was really initially just spun out of this selfish desire to know. And praise be to God, like, the answers were already in the church. I mean, I didn't invent anything when I put the book together. I mean, it's basically just a really awesome research project. Um, but praise be to God, like, all the research was already there. The books were there. The encyclicals were there. The letters were there. Just no one had taken the time to piece and put them together. Um, and so once I was able to put them together, all I wanted to do was to share that with the world because it was so hard for me to do it initially. And I'm like, surely I'm not the only one who wants <laughs> to know this. Like, surely I can't be the only Catholic out there yes. that, that loves this and wants to know more. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. And thank you for doing all the work for us then. <laughs> no, you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> so then how important do you think it is for the youth and young adults to share the gifts of the Holy Spirit with others that are around them? I think it's so important that you cannot evangelize without it. It's actually a fulfillment of the sacramental, like fulfillment of the graces of baptism and confirmation. Like when when the bishop anoints us, it's confirmation. He says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? So that we can go out and preach the gospel. St. Paul says that he came not to preach the word alone, but the word with power. And the power that he's talking about are these signs and wonders and demonstrations of the Holy Spirit. Like when it comes to the new evangelization, we cannot evangelize apart from our advocate whom Christ sent us, the Holy Spirit. I think that young adults, youth, young adults, like if, if you want to um, get to heaven, right, you absolutely need the sanctifying charisms. Like you need faith, you need um, piety, right? You need long suffering. You need those, the gifts of fortitude. Like you have to have those sanctifying charisms. And, and if you want to preach the gospel, I don't think you can do it without some of the evangelistic Pauline charisms. You can't do it without faith. You can't do it without miracles. You can't do it without <laughs> words of knowledge, you know? So, like, I, yeah, learn about it because it's necessary. Exactly. We need it. Yeah. Amen. (laughs) So then you speak to youth and young adults at at every age and different events, especially at your parish. So what is it like being a strong, motivational voice of the Catholic faith as a a young adult? Honestly, 
it's kind of intimidating and uh, a source of anxiety. <laughs> I worked so hard for so long to be considered reputable and to be taken seriously and, and for youth ministers to want to call me and, and bring me out to speak to their groups. And the more I got into it, actually, like the more terrifying and fearful I became of doing it because like the stakes are so high in this game mm-hmm. and it's not a game. Like it's, it's life and it's souls and it's salvation. I mean, the stakes are high and uh, scripture is clear. Like if, if, if it's better for us to tie a millstone around our necks than to lead a little person, like a younger person, a child into sin. And so there's this pressure when, when I give a talk, even if it's to 10 kids at a confirmation event, right? Mm-hmm. There's this huge pressure, like, to be completely in line with the church, like teaching the truth, not teaching error, not bringing my own person and, and brokenness, you know, in, into a into a talk, right? I mean, like I can bring my brokenness, like I can share my own story, but like yep. not bringing myself. There's like a tremendous pressure, and so like, yeah, it's um, it's it's very sobering and it's nerve wracking, and um, I kind of like shy away from from being in being perceived in the spotlight you could say because it's it gets scary uh i just really want to do it well and i I really want to do it right and i want to honor the people that um i'm being brought in front of to to make sure that you know i'm 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 honoring their soul (laughs) (laughs) i mean do you do you ever feel that way Catherine? yeah i mean i think it's something where you want to make sure that you're representing your faith authentically but it's such a rewarding gift to be able to speak on a platform where we can motivate and inspire the youth to continue with the Catholic faith, you know? Absolutely. But you're probably better at it than I am. (laughs) No. I just get so scared. So then I was thinking that people are always asking celebrities what is their favorite thing to do, either sing or act. So then I wanted to ask you the same thing. What is your favorite thing to do, speaking at events, singing, writing? I feel like you do it all. Uh, what's my favorite thing to do? Um, and no right cheating. Now, my... No cheating. You can't say all of them, okay? <laughs> That's not cheating. That's a legitimate answer. <laughs> um, my favorite thing to do at the present moment is actually snuggle with my baby. Oh, my gosh. Um, Tell us about yeah. your baby. Oh, okay. He's perfect. <laughs> he was born on November 5th. Oh, no, you're a new just... mommy. I know. So today's actually my first day after maternity leave. So I took 12 weeks. Right, so he's 12 weeks old today. Yay, baby. I know. I should, like, go post on Facebook and Instagram and and (laughs) make everybody look at photos of my child. I was like, look, he looks half like me, kind of, (laughs) but not really. He looks like his dad. Yeah, no, he's just just awesome and completely turned my world upside down. Everybody told me that that would happen, but I was like, nah, that's not going to (laughs) happen. I just, I didn't believe it, but then I had him and he's just awesome. And, uh, I could literally spend my entire day just staring at his face and it would be a productive day. <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's so wonderful. I'm, I'm like crazy for my kids. I might need therapy for it one day too. <laughs> I'm like obsessed. It's crazy. So then kind of like changing the topics from that to dating only because you just, I feel like you just got out of the whole dating life and world of that since you're married oh, now. Yeah. I mean, what kind of advice would you give to the young adults now that are still in the dating life? I feel like you know enough to feel <laughs> our struggle. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. So my advice to young Catholic singles who are hoping to get married or discerning religious vocations, but you're still in that undecided Mm -hmm. single period. My first piece of advice isn't advice. It's just 
I want to recognize that it sucks and you're right. And it's <laughs> like, yeah, the I truth. I, it's terrible. Like being single is horrible. And I didn't realize just how horrible it was until I got married. And then I had this awesome baby. And I'm like, wow, vocations are amazing. <laughs> um, so the first thing is I just want to acknowledge, like, wherever you're at, like, if it feels like it sucks, it's because it does. Um, <laughs> but to speak to that, like, you weren't I – don't, I don't think any of us were called – I mean, I guess some people are called to the single life. But for, for the most part, like, we're not. Like, if it, if it doesn't feel like, – if it's not rewarding and you don't have peace and there's this longing in your heart for something more, it's because you were made for something more. So rest in that and hope in that. Um, and for those that are kind of on the fence, like if you feel called to, you know, marriage or a religious vocation, like guys, you were called to, to choose one. So choose one, know that God's going to bless it and it's going to be the best thing ever because marriage is awesome and <laughs> religious <laughs> life is awesome. And I can, I can totally vouch for marriage. Like, it, it rocks, especially if you marry the right person. Amen. So, have fun. <laughs> Tori, thank you so much for joining us on Faith Fit Radio today. We really appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Catherine. <laughs> And so for our listeners, if you are if you guys are searching for any of Tori's uh, music or books, Tori, please tell us your website so then we can go and check it out. Please, uh, you can go to AriseWorshipMinistry.com, get a copy of Holy Spirit 101, or ToriHarris.com and uh, get links to my Instagram where you can see all of the cute pictures of my most wonderful baby. Aw, perfect. I love that. That's like such a great ending. <laughs> Thank you. So thanks for listening to this special presentation. Oh, check out Hearts One Stone in its entirety. Tori's music is up next right after this podcast, so do not press stop. <laughs> I'm Catherine Laguna from Favorite Radio. Catch you on the next one.
of keys.